before Troy's lesson, it is indeed Joel chapter 3. It's going to be verses 14 through 16. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon shall be darkened, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. The Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall shake. But the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. It is good to uh, be with you this morning. Our, our pulpit preacher, minister, is out of town. He's doing a gospel meeting. Test. Yeah, you can hear me. Now I can hear me. Thanks, Daniel. I don't need to necessarily hear myself, but hopefully you can hear me. We are going to work out of Joshua 7 just for a few moments. So if you want to turn your... To Joshua chapter 7, we'd appreciate it. There, When we talk about valleys in life, we usually talk about valleys where we're sad, valleys where we're having hard times in life. We talk about the peaks and the valleys of life, and it's usually in a negative, in a negative way. But I want to tell you, and I looked for several of these, that there are some beautiful, beautiful valleys in the world. And some of them I would love to see. Some of them I have seen. But there are beautiful valleys on the planet, on this planet that God has made. There are also some not so beautiful valleys. But for a few moments, for a little while this morning, I want to talk about the valleys of life. The valleys that we find ourselves, hopefully make some applications. And these are seemingly negative valleys that we probably we might not want to be in. But we need to think about them and hopefully apply them, apply these uh, these words to our lives. So the first valley we're going to talk about is the valley of trouble, the valley of trouble. We had the opportunity, our family, this uh, a couple of months ago, a few months ago to go hiking in Utah to hike in the canyons. And and there are some canyons that, that are known as slot canyons, very narrow ways that you go through uh, these things. And I'm a little claustrophobic, and so I wasn't really excited about this aspect of the hikes. But we were warned over and over again, be careful. Be careful if you realize that it's somewhere, that it's raining somewhere, because this area, these areas are well known for flash floods. And we're not talking about just a few inches. We're talking about sometimes these waters come up fast. There's a person trying to escape a sudden flash flood. And they're in trouble. But I want to talk for a few moments about the valley of trouble. And in Joshua 7, 19 through 26, we find some people in a world of trouble. One person in particular. Now, in 6 of Joshua, we're told about Jericho falling. 
And, and God's instructions to the people, to Joshua and the people were, you're going to go destroy these people and destroy things, but you are not to take any accursed articles, any treasure from this place. No accursed thing. And so chapter 7 begins by letting the reader know that in spite of God's commands, someone had taken accursed things from Jericho. And he was even specific. It was Achan. And Achan was found out, brought in front of Joshua, killed, and the place where he was killed and every living thing that was his, that is called the Valley of Achor. And it was well known as from because of the sin of Achan, because of his greed, because of his disobedience, it was well known that he was buried in the Valley of Trouble. In the Valley of Trouble. And that's what it means, uh, literally, the Valley of Achor, the Valley of Trouble. But later on in Hosea, if you want to, Look over there in Hosea for a, for a few moments. This valley is mentioned again. So you think about this valley. When people think about the valley of Achor, they think about trouble. They think about problems. They think about a man who was greedy and, and had to be put to death, who was disobedient. And in Hosea, we know from chapter 1, and remember the story that Hosea is told to take a wife who is a prostitute. To show him and the people how God felt about his people's unfaithfulness. They have two children, you might remember, a daughter named No Mercy and a son named Not My People. Verse 9, you are not my people, I am not your God. And there would be punishment, God says, the deathbed. Bed. And Hosea is the last prophet, if you, if you know your history, before the northern kingdom fell. Syria, and there would be punishment, but there would be wonderful mercy to be found and to be experienced. In verse 19 of 2, or verse 14 through 20 of, of chapter 2 of Hosea, we see that this valley of trouble, now according to God, is the door of hope. And God's mercy and His loving kindness brings us from the valley of trouble to the door of hope. It's reconciliation between God and his people at the cost of his son. And he says in verse 19, I will betroth you to me forever. We belong to a God who will not forsake us. And yes, we're going to mess up. And yes, we're going to find ourselves in the valley of trouble. But when we get there, we need to understand that, yes, trouble comes upon us suddenly. Sometimes it comes upon us gradually. But if we let him, when we get in these times of trouble, if we let him, he'll get us out. Because he wants us to be with him. He wants us to be out of the valley of trouble. And we go from there to the valley of tears. And in the 84th Psalm, you have, you have a, just one sentence in verse 6. There's a map on the screen. In the 1800s, from the 30s, around, uh, around for 10 years, some route into Oklahoma was known as a Trail of Tears. 
It's come to describe the journey of Native Americans who were forced to leave their ancestral homes in the southeast and move to the new Indian territory defined as west of Arkansas. Anywhere west of Arkansas, the Native Americans can, can move. Most of them went to Oklahoma, but you see that all of them went through Arkansas. And it's a metaphoric trail because if you notice all these routes, it's just not one road. It's several ways to get to the same place. But they traveled in the 1830s by rivers and in and tribal groups from Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, North Carolina, Tennessee. All the trails passed through Arkansas and during the decade after the passage of the Andrew Jackson, the Indian Removal Act in 1830. It's estimated that 60,000 Native Americans right off the bat were relocated and thousands died on the way. And they named it the people, the immigrants, named it the Trail of Tears. The Trail of Tears. But long before that happened, there was a place known as the Valley of Weeping. The Valley of Weeping. You see in the 84th Psalm, verse 6, as they pass through the Valley of Baca, they, made, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. So Baca means weeping. This Valley of Tears, this Valley of Sorrow. And you will find yourselves in the valley of sorrow at different times. But we need to understand that even when we go those through those difficult times, even when we're in a situation in life where we are crying in our valleys of tears, God can provide good things while we're there. It can be a spring. It can be a source of life. It can be a refreshing place. Even while we're in this valley, God can provide good things while we're there. Christians, when we find ourselves in those valleys, we're sad, we're broken. God gives us people. God gives us Christian people to cry with us, to hold us up, to hold our heads up. To hold our hands. He gives us good people in our lives who pray good prayers on our behalf when we're in the valley of tears. He helps us. He blesses us in spite of that. We're going to look at, at 1 Samuel 17 and look at a few verses there. As we think about the valley of Elah. In 17, we have, we have a situation in 17 where the Philistines are going against the Israelites and the lines have been drawn where in the valley of Elah in verse 2. 1719, Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And you remember that there was a young man there who came to the valley to give his brothers food. This young, good-looking, ruddy man. And there was a giant there, Goliath, and he was taunting. Send me your best, and this will all be over. Send me your best. 
And David is there, and out of faith, he, he asks if he can do it. And, and Saul gives, the king gives him permission to do it. He tries to load him down with armor, but David has his stones and his sling. And we know, we know the story. But David is in the valley of Elah, and it's time to fight. Later on in, in 1 Samuel 21, David, Saul is unhappy with David now. People are giving him too much attention because of what he's done with Goliath. Goliath he defeated Goliath. And he, David just starts out on the run. He's just began his journey as fleeing from Saul. And in, and in 1 Samuel 21, he encounters a priest and he's asking for bread on behalf of his men. He's not armed at all. And he asks the priest, do you have any food? In the, and then do you have some weapons? And the priest says, I have the sword. I have the sword that you used in, in verse 9 of 21. I have the sword that you used to defeat Goliath. Where? In the valley of Elah. And where's the application for this? Where is the application for this? At times, we are going to feel like David. And we will find ourselves in a spiritual valley. Going against huge enemies in life. And instead of doing nothing about it. Instead of rolling over and let life take us. And beat on us. And defeat us. Instead of that we're going to have to fight spiritually. It's going to be time to fight the giants of the troubles in life. And we will need to stand fast. And let God lead us into battle His way. And use what he has given us to defeat those giants of life as we pass through the valley of Elah. Next, we're going to look at the valley of the shadow of death. And I bet you can guess where we're going to work out of. The 23rd Psalm. And most of you can recite this. I know our Bible bowlers can recite this, or at least they should know how to recite this. There's a place in North America. It's the driest and hottest spot. Fewer than two inches of rain per year. Has the lowest elevation on the continent. 282 feet below sea level. The record temperature there, 134 degrees. We know it is Death Valley because in 1849, some immigrants, they were bound for California's gold field. They strayed into the 120-mile basin of Death Valley. And for two months, they were hungry and they were thirsty. And there was an awful silence, they reported, it just drove you crazy after a while. And then as they figured out how to get out of this place, as they moved on in their travels, one of the last person to leave looked down from the mountain at the narrow valley and said, goodbye, death valley. Goodbye. We go to the 23rd Psalm and we look at the valley of shadow of death. And we know how it starts. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then he makes me lie down in green pastures. But I want you to notice verse 3. He restores my soul and he leads me in the paths of righteousness 
Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say he leads me down easy street. He doesn't say it's going to be a cakewalk. He says it will be, you will be righteous if you stay on this road. But he, but he never says that it's going to be easy. And then he says, for my name, for his name's sake, I'm going to walk through this valley. And then he says, I will fear no evil. And notice he doesn't say, I will fear no evil because I can handle it. I will fear no evil because I am my own man. And I can myself, I can lift myself up from my bootstraps. I can do it. He says, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me in your death and they comfort me. For his name's sake. For his name's sake. In verse 3, again, for his name's sake. You know, people climb mountains and they climb peaks and they do these amazing things and travel to amazing lands and they want to be the first. They want to be the one who discovers why. So that their name's sake can be placed upon these monuments and these areas and they want to be known for their strength and their power and their ability. But not in the 23rd Psalm. You don't, you don't find that. You find for your name's sake because you are powerful and you are strong. And as far as ability is concerned, God, you have the most. And then you read this word shadows. The shadow of death. Whew. I don't know if about you, but when I was growing up. I'm sure that y'all have had this experience seeing you're outside in, at night and you see strange shadows. You're in your room at night and you see these shadows coming from outside. And you in your mind can convince yourself that there's something or someone out there because shadows scare us. And the fear, it's a real fear. Sometimes it's just mind numbing, but what banishes shadows? I'm going through the shadow, through the valley of the shadow of death. What, what banishes? What, what destroys shadows? Well, there's light. And because of the presence of God, this, this life, this road, this valley that we're in is lit up. And those shadows, and those shadows are destroyed. I will fear no evil. I can take any evil on my own as long as you're with me. Says a man who in his life he would lion, he would face a lion. Scripture says David would face a bear. He would face a giant and be victorious. And he says, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. You are with me. And then the comfort of God, the, the rod and the staff. You have authority. You have discipline. You have direction. And you have protection. And you think about our physical lives as we go through this life. As Christians, as, as God's children. And for the faithful Christian, when they get to the end of their life. When they get to the end of their life. They can turn around and say. If they've been faithful. They've been walking through the valley of shadow death and understanding that they are taken care of. They can get to the end of the valley, turn away, turn around and say goodbye, death valley. 
and hello eternal life. Finally, we come to the valley of decision. In the third chapter of, of Joel, in verse 14, we read simply multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. That prophet's message. And you think about the prophets in the Bible and these messages over and over there. Repent. The day of the Lord is coming. Not only it, the godless nations needed to turn back, but God's own people had turned away from him. Chapter 3, verse 10, prepare for war. Turn your plowshares, turn these blades into swords. Prepare for war. And 16, the Lord roars from Zion. Verse 17, from my holy mountain. is not a battle cry against us. It's a call to refuge, a stronghold for his people. And we can go over to Isaiah chapter 2. And I encourage you to do that right now, Isaiah chapter 2. Because at one point you have God saying, you're going to war. Get ready for that. You don't have any weapons. Take your farming tools and turn them into weapons. This is the battle cry. And then in Isaiah chapter 2 verses 1 through 5, you have the idea of preparing for peace. And notice verse 4. Turn your swords into plowshares. Turn your swords into farming utensils. God's desire is to call us up out of the valley of decision. And so we have a decision to make. You think about getting into the valley of trouble. We make decisions to get us into spiritual trouble. We do. But then we have a decision to make once we realize where we are, understand where we are, own and accept that we've gotten ourselves to where we are, then we have, to, we have a decision to make. Are we going to seek peace spiritually or are we going to continue to war against God? Sometimes we allow ourselves to make those dumb decisions and then we need to make the decision to own our own sins and ask God to get us out of that valley. And you know, wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be amazing if every one of us and everyone in the world decided, yes, I've gotten myself into this valley of trouble, this valley of tears, but I want God, I'm, I'm making a decision right now to ask God to get me out of the valley that I'm in. <laughs> we'll choose at different times. We'll choose darkness, the dark valley. Over the light of the mountains. So, let's ask ourselves this. When we're in the valley of trouble, we ask ourselves, hopefully, what have I done with my life and what am I going to do to get me out of trouble? Some are in the valley of tears. Will we allow ourselves to be comforted in those situations? Some are in the valley of Elah. Will I allow God to help me fight my way out of this situation? Some of us are in the valley of the shadow of death. Where will I go after this life is over? And some of us, all of us at different times, are in the valley of decision what am I going to do now with my life? We need to understand that in all of these valleys, God is there and he's, he's here to guide us in the decisions that we need to make.
to provide a home for us far beyond any valley that we find ourselves in. There's no depth that we can go, that he's not there with us to lead us through. That's exactly what he wants to do. Get us out of those valleys. And so we have a decision to make. Where are you? Where do you need to be? And are you going to allow God to get you to where you need to be? So you think about that as Christians. Have I gotten myself, have I made decisions that have gotten myself into the valley of trouble? Am I ready to get out of it again? Ask God for forgiveness and repent of those sins as a Christian and enjoy that forgiveness as you out of that valley into the light, into the mount, mountains of God's holy place. Are, are you in a valley because you've never put Christ on? Are you in a valley of sin because you've never acknowledged your sin? Are you in a valley of sin because you've never acknowledged Jesus Christ as the Son of God and decided to repent of your sins? Are you in that valley of sin because you haven't confessed Christ as the Son of God and haven't put Him on in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins and be raised out of that death, that that dreadful, deadly valley that you don't want to be in? Are you ready to get out of that by putting Christ on in baptism? And there might be other needs that can be met by coming forward and letting us know. And if there are, let us know, please, now as we stand and as we sing.